0: Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains podcast where we interview you from backpacking to expeditions. And today we have Marta on the show who's come to talk to us about a place that is super high on my bucket list and that is the Dolomites. We're going to have a chat about the Via Ferrata's there, we're going to have a chat about the different hikes you can do there and overall get some good tips. And whilst you're listening, please remember she has a fantastic blog which I'll put in the description below check it out there's loads of information it's a really clean website but with no further ado let's just get straight into the episode so hello Marta welcome to the podcast how are you doing today
1: I'm doing great thanks for having me hey
0: it's yes yeah, it's a pleasure to have you and it's a pleasure to cover such a good topic because uh the Dolomites have been on my list I think ever since I think Most people I would take a guess here fall in love with the dolomites for that picturesque shot you see of people of the the fields. Yeah, with the Oh
1: you mean the Alpidi Susi, yeah. That's I I suppose I do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'll take your word for it.
1: That's a very popular spot for sure. A tricky one as well to get to. I mean it's easy to get to, but um there are certain things that you have to know about when you want to visit this particular spot.
0: Yeah, and 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 on that note that's a good that's a good timing for anyone listening um i i don't know if i would have said it in the, in the introduction uh before this but you have the best dolomites guide i uh, think around uh, thank you and, uh, yeah you, you're welcome and even though i run and have started an adventure travel podcast i only found out about the fact that you could do via fratis in the dolomites about two months ago three months ago so that shows how little information i've been able to easily find
1: and the dolomites um, are like that place to be if you want to be if you want to do the via ferrata that's for sure
0: mm, yeah and then one 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 trip on your website and it's incredible and, and you, there's so much information hut-to-hut guides day hikes um yeah it's good so any for anyone listening if you like the dolomites if you have any slight interest definitely go and check out her blog i'll put it in the show notes Please and do. You're, you're, hey, you're welcome. Um, but no, so today is quite exciting. We're going to be talking about some uh, talking about the Dolomites, if you haven't already guessed. Um, and we're going to be talking about some hikes and via ferratas. But Dolomites for you, just more generally speaking, as an overview, what are the Dolomites like? What what can we expect there?
1: Um, to be honest with you, before I even went there. Personally, I only knew the picture of the Tre Cerme, you know, the three peaks sticking mm-hmm. out as well, yeah. the monoliths and, uh, and the, probably the Seceda, so the two most famous spots. Um, and then, you know, I had this idea in my mind that I want to spend some proper time in the Dolomites, do hikes, via ferratas, hard to hut trips. And um, when I went there, I only went with a very short list of things I really wanted to do. And now seven months in, um, you know, after spending a total of two seasons, two and seven months in total in the Dolomites, my list just grew longer. I mean, there's so much to do over here. dramatic peaks, um, countless via ferrata roads, um, you know, from the beginner um, level to the experience level. You can go climbing, you can go mountain biking. I mean, um, it's just lifetime wouldn't be enough to really see see it all unfortunately
0: (laughs) yeah I think you're saying before this I I was commenting on how how much content you've got and you're saying that you haven't even scratched the surface yet so
1: exactly I mean and the most frustrating thing is I think it's the time because um, I'm a kind of person who wants to see it all and wants to do it all and then um, you know as as I take those things off the list, then I meet somebody in the hut and then they, me, then, then they tell me about another amazing place and I'm like, oh, I really have to do that as well. And then, <laughs> uh, and then you know, I would like to um, expand the guides um, for the winter season too. And I know there's so many ski trips that you can do in cross-country skiing and hut-to-hut um, backcountry skiing. So something that I'm starting to get into and then mountaineering as well so in a few years time it might be finished it might never be finished who knows
0: <laughs> for the sound of things you, you're gonna bear in mind you have to make time to go and do these things as well i think you've got years of content ahead of you
1: exactly and i still have to finish the one that i um that i plan to release now
0: was that the multi-day hikes that one exactly yeah hard
1: yeah. had to trips trips uh, which um i've done pretty much six weeks of back-to-back hiking which was over 500 kilometers um, uh, head-to-head treks including uh, four different Alta Villas um, and then um, roads that I just planned myself
0: as well. Which is pretty cool, (laughs) (laughs) pretty exciting. My
1: niece did not like me after that though.
0: (laughs) You took your niece on that, did you? Sorry? did you take your knees did you
1: no my, niece, like oh, my you knees
0: oh yeah. right, your knees oh right flip yeah absolutely yeah yeah my, my, my knees are yeah my knees are bad um and I find going up is okay but then going down True. it is where my my knees are like oh by the way we're here and we hurt and I'm like leave me alone Yeah, <laughs>
1: especially when you uh when you carry basically all your life on your back but by track five My backpack was half full from, you know, on the track one, it was full on the last track. It's just half empty because I've decided, okay, I don't need this. I don't need this. And I was only starting with the 36 liter backpack anyway. So I'm amazed that I managed at the end to um, to only have it half full, including my camera gear and my clothes. I basically only had the clothes that I was wearing and one to change it for when I was in the hut and I was in, yeah. super, super lightweight backpacking.
0: But it's, um, but yeah, it's, it's a start to multi-day hikes. So you wouldn't want to go full army and have a yeah. have yeah. a massive burger yeah. on your back. Like, Sweet, let's do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially that you have everything that you need in the huts and the huts have restaurants uh, where you can eat. So you don't have to worry about carrying your food. You don't have to worry about carrying, uh, sleeping bags because you have um you know sheets and and beds and everything in the huts so it's really convenient that's why you can go ultra light
0: well actually i was going to ask this towards the end but as we're talking about the huts you've got a part of your website which talks about um advice for the huts and sort of things to look out for and top tips i did not know if you had uh, three favorite three go-to recommendations for top tips for for staying in the huts
1: Sure, yeah, make sure you book in advance uh, if you're going in the high season. So, July, August is the high season in the Dolomites, and um, the most popular huts where people want to stay in, which is uh, probably Refugio Locatelli near Treceme, they get crazy busy and um, don't go without a reservation. Luckily, you can sometimes get reservations from a day-to-day basis. So you call today and you, you want to reserve for tomorrow. You might be able to get a spot because um, there is a lot of cancellations or people book and they don't show up. The uh, reservation system is quite hectic in most of the huts because um, A is Italy, B <laughs> 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 is the Dolomites. Like, it just kind of feels like all those towns are still stuck in the beginning of the 20th century and the huts um, some of the huts already have Wi-Fi which is great maybe not so much I don't know how I feel about it exactly um, but most of the time the you have to call to make a reservation and don't be scared most of most of the people who work there do speak English it's not perfect English but it's good enough to get by so um, you can make the reservations um, so yeah one is making the reservation. And two is prepared to um, don't be cheap, I would say. I mean, people who run those huts quite often only make money when um, selling food because a lot of the huts belong to the um, Italian Alpine Club. Um, the money that is spent on accommodation goes to the Alpine Club, whereas the people who run the huts um, make money from the food that they sell in. So do stay plan, I mean, those huts are cheap, you can spend 50 euros for accommodation and food for the, you know, breakfast and dinner, and the dinner is big, I mean, most of the time I wasn't able to finish it, so, um, yes, try to um, uh, spend some money there, like, support the community.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, what else, I mean make sure that you know the dates as well, because in some parts of the Dolomites, um, the huts are only open from end of June until mid-September, end of September, whereas in other ones, um, end of May to October. My personal um, view of this is that, you know, Dolomites are kind of divided still between Italian Dolomites and German Dolomites, or Austrian Dolomites, as you call it, even though they're all in Italy, Um, you can still see the differences between the different uh, villages that you have Uh, and I've noticed that in the German-speaking Dolomites uh, in those towns uh, where the um, huts are or the huts are in the mountains but you access it from the towns uh, in this area the huts stay open longer whereas I feel like in Italian ones, they stay open a lot shorter. And I imagine it has something to do with the, um, with the you know, Italian way. of flying. Yeah, the life. culture,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the culture, definitely. I mean, the Germans, they want to, you know, be efficient and have as much time as possible. Whereas the Italians, they probably just want to do the minimum and have it open only from this, only for three months. That's enough. After that, let's go and have fun. Let's play in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that you might you might be onto something there <laughs> so talking about the huts let's get into two hikes I suppose uh, which was the first hike that we're gonna be talking about today
1: um, would you want to speak about the day hike or the multi-day hike
0: Ooh, should we kick off with a day hike first
1: okay so my number one day hike in the Italian Dolomites is uh, Croda del Lago circuit Okay. It's, uh, it's very close to Cortina di Ampezzo, which is um, the main town that you visit when you visit the Dolomites. It's probably the most famous one as well. And um, the Crolla del Lago circuit starts around 15 minute drive, 15 to 20 minute drive from Cortina. And it, um, it Crolla del Lago circuit goes um, around Croda del Lago. <laughs> <laughs> which is this amazing jagged peak, uh, peak uh, in the Dolomites. Like one of my favorites. I always love to photograph it from different viewpoints. And you can see, um, see it quite often in my guide. And um, I would really recommend anyone who's planning this hike to go and do it at the end of October, start of November, because um, the whole area is just with large trees and then um, around halfway in the hike you get to this beautiful lake called lago federa Uh, and there's a little hut right on the lake where you can also stay you don't have to i mean you can do the whole circuit in around five, five to six hours but if you want you can also stay in the hut i i did stay in that hut um, to get the sunrise and sunset on the lake, and okay. then you just get beautiful refre- reflections of the surrounding mountains. Um, you also have direct view of Mount Antelao, which was the second highest peak of the Dolomites, and um, the whole lake is just surrounded by large trees. and They, the color, they, they just turn into this really deep orange at the end of October. It's just oh. Such a stunning view. I mean, yeah, end of October, start of November. And the cool thing about this hike is that the hut actually is probably the longest operating hut in the season. It stays open until the start of November because the hike is mostly exposed. It's on the southern slope, so it's very exposed to the sun and uh, the snow doesn't linger there, even if you have an early snowfall, which can happen as early as September or even end of august like it happened to yeah. us as well um but the snow doesn't linger it just melts and you can easily um hike um so yeah that's number one uh the second hike i would the say, multi-day one now uh, because, oh, you wanna
0: go, uh oh no no I, I was gonna i was gonna say are we now talking about the multi-day hike on the second hike or is this um,
1: it's, you were and, asking and, you is just another day, day hike,
0: hike. Yeah. yeah, perfect, so I can, yeah.
1: I can say another day hike. So another yeah, day let's hike go for that I would really recommend is uh, the hike through Val Fiscalina which starts in uh, Sesto. Uh, that's northern part of the Dolomites. And it's also like a rather unknown part of the Tre Cieme National Park. So Tre Cieme is a very famous national park. It's probably the most famous national park in the Dolomites. But uh, the its northern parts are quite... Um, it's be, are very quiet in comparison to the central part of the of the national park. So Valfis Kalina leads th- through uh, to a peak called Chima Undici. I'm actually amazed that I still remember all those <laughs> names. <laughs> um, and um, you can make it as long or as short as possible. There's also a very cool uh, beginner via ferrata which you can do. Um, you can connect it with the hike um, but yeah that that view when you as you hike through the valley you you straight away have the view of the peak and then as you climb higher and higher just the peak gets closer and closer to you and um, there is a little summit that you can go to um, there are two huts that you cross along the way uh, one is called Sigmund Hütte and the other one is called it's a crazy little name, Bulele Yojuta. It's a very cute little hut. I think it only has 14 spots to uh, sleep in. Um, but there is a little summit next to it where you just get amazing views um, towards the Chima Undici and also towards the Tre Cieme, Um But a completely different view than you would normally know. It's a little bit farther away. So um, that would be my second peak for sure. <laughs> oh, man.
0: They, they they both sound so beautiful. Like, I, I really. like
1: I, mean, I have it. You know, I when I talk about it, I have it in front of my eyes. And I know, like I know what I've seen, and I just yeah. Um, yeah. So you guys should go on my website and check it out. It's um, yeah. I'm I'm actually working on the day hike day hike uh, guide for this um, trip, but there is a via ferrata called Strada degli Alpini, which runs parallel to this hike, and if, like you should go and see the views. Uh, I mean, you will want to do it straight away.
0: For sure, and what we'll do as well is everything we're discussing for this, in case there's anyone frantically trying to write down the Italian words, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we'll put the links in the show German. notes. <laughs> yeah, so I'll yeah. tell with each hike, with each via Ferrata, um, send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes and then people can click from there oh. and, and have a look at the routes because they sound pretty insane so far. So so they are the day hikes covered. Well, at, at least favorite ones.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, you know, you I'm saying, go. Seven today, months. <laughs> yeah, today I'm saying these two are my favorite hikes. Tomorrow I'm going to say, no, it's actually the other two hikes because you know, like, <laughs> it just comes back to me. And then I remember, oh no, but this one was really amazing. So, I mean, um, yeah, just do your research and then you won't yeah. be disappointed. Really. Just don't sure. go to the, to the super famous spots because they are really overrun and um, I personally feel there's so many that um, are a lot more beautiful with a lot less people.
0: Mm. And to be fair, you are trying to cram seven, seven months into roughly 45 minutes. So <laughs> you doing well so far. <laughs> Perfect. So a multi-day hike then. Did you have one of those to, to talk about? Um, or two or three or four?
1: Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, To start with, I would say um, the Rosengarten Traverse is one of my favorite multi-day trips. Um, You can break it down to day hikes as well, but um, it's a really cool uh, way of seeing the Dolomites. And you can plan um, around three to four days. And the awesome thing about the Rosengarten Traverse is um, you can connect with Via Ferratas, um, but you don't have to. So let's say you hike to a hut, you can drop your gear and still do a via ferrata in the afternoon, or you can just call it a day and hang out in the hut and, oh. you know, sip Italian cappuccino on the on the deck of the hut and just look at the, the views. Um, or, you know, part of the group does this and another part of the group does the other thing. And Rosengarten Traverse is... Um, so the, the Rosengarten Nature Park is in the west part of the Dolomites and it's known... Um, the most famous spot, uh, in this park is Violet Towers, which is this, um, it's a climber's paradise, really. Um, but it's this amazing monolith rocks, the peak, um, with, where you can, um, I mean, I'm just speechless when I, when (laughs) I think about this spot. I mean, it's, it's really hard to describe, but, um, so, you can start um, with Via Ferrata Paso Santner to get to um, to this little pass where you get a beautiful overview of the Violet Towers. You can stay the first night at Rifugio Alberto Primero. And then you the next day, you can hike to the middle of the Rosengarten, which is, uh, and then stay in my favorite heart of all. It's called um, Rifugio Paso Principe. And it's run by this really cool uh, Italian guy who just comes up to everybody, speaks to everybody, so treats you like a friend straight away. Um, he has this really cute dog, Border Collie, which is a stuffed dog, um, which is a yeah um, working dog. But um, it was really old at the time I was there. It was two years ago when I visited, so I hope the dog is still alive. But um, uh, it's a, it's an amazing hut, and the hut, the whole hut is just built into the wall, oh. uh, so you, as you approach it, it's actually really difficult to spot it until you're like 100, 200 meters away, and then right at the foot of the hut starts uh, Via Ferrata Catinaccio, which goes uh, to the summit of Catinaccio, which is the highest uh, summit in the Rosengarten group, oh. um, and that's a, that's a beginner Via Ferrata as well. So, definitely recommend that. And then on the third day, moving from Rifugio Paso Principe, you can move to Rifugio Alpe di Tires, which was recently renovated and is probably one of the um, most luxurious huts, I would say. Um, it has this really cool Scandinavian vibe to it. Um, mm. And again, right um, at the Rifugio starts uh, Via Frata Sentiero Massimiliano, which runs along. Uh, um, Terra Rosa Ridgeline and it's it's again it's a beginner via ferrata but it has amazing views uh from the top and it actually overlooks the Alpi di Susi the the spot we were talking about right at the at the start uh
0: oh, wow yeah, this is a good good point to reflect maybe
1: <laughs> exactly but you're actually standing when you're standing on the top because it runs between two peaks and uh, that via ferrata and then when you're standing and when when you you know when you're hiking along um, you look to the to the left and you've got these huge mountains and then you look to the right and you've got this meadow right below you like you know a few hundred meters below you and then you don't even realize that it's L P D C C until you look at the map That's another thing that I would recommend, always carry them up with you when you're in the Dolomites because you you wanna know all those peaks and then majority of the time you can always see Marmolada, which is the highest peak. I mean, wherever you go in the Dolomites, wherever, whatever summit you climb, like 99%, maybe 95% of the times you always see the Marmolada, which is the highest peak. Oh,
0: wow. That's cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's that's the number one traverse. So after that, yeah. you, can, you can, from Alpide Tiris, you have a few ways to to leave uh, in the traverse. You can hike down to Compach, which is a close village. You can hike through Alpide Susi to Ortisei. Um, the best way to visualize it, I always say on my blog as well, is to have the map and just, just look um, how you want to plan it. But... And then the second hike, that multi-day hike, I would really recommend is uh, Alta Via Four. So from I, I did um, four Alta Vias altogether. And those are um, multi-day traverses that date back to First World War, as oh, wow. the soldiers, um, you know, traversed from uh, north to south um, across the Dolomites. Um, there's a big history behind those hikes, but Alta Via Four is my favorite because it takes you through um, a these famous spots in the Dolomites, which is Tre You go to Lago di Sorapis, this you know very beautiful turquoise um, lake, um, very Instagrammable. A lot of yeah. Instagrammers visit it. <laughs>
0: There's the Instagram uh, moment right there. <laughs> yeah,
1: but um, Alta Via 4 is actually quite challenging, especially the middle part of it, because it includes Via Ferratas, and there is a way around it. You don't have to do the Via Ferratas, um, but if you want to have the full experience, you have to bring uh, Via Ferrata gear with you and... Um, there are days when a few hours of those days include scrambling along the the path and um, doing the via fratas. And, um, and some parts of Alta Via 4 are actually very remote, very quiet. Um, there's a chance that you're not going to meet many people along the way. On the first two days, first two to three days, it's busy, and then it just becomes the complete opposite it's super quiet uh, very remote um, hiking um, so yeah altavia 4 definitely recommend it
0: perfect R- remote and quiet hiking is yeah is an ideal for like, a lot of people listening and a lot of especially, people in the world
1: <laughs> especially that it's not something that's easy to do in the dolomites because to be honest with you dolomites is not it's not an exactly uncovered gem i mean a lot of people know about the Dolomites and the Italians love the Dolomites. I mean, never go to the Dolomites in August.
0: It's is that their it's, season, is it?
1: <laughs> it's just insane. I mean, all Italians take holidays in August. They all go into, the, I mean, not all of them, but a lot of Italians like the mountains and they mm. do take advantage of their own backyard. So the... Um, The mountains are super busy. It gets a lot better at the end of August, I would say, but um, to me, personally, September and October are the best times to go.
0: September, October, I was gonna gonna say, there's a question coming out of here, which is what's the (laughs) best time to go? And you just answered it there, September, October. I suppose the temperature will be a little bit cooler too.
1: It is cooler, the the summer can get very hot, and what people have to take under consideration as well is that, for example, um, the snow, can linger in some spots, especially on the northern slopes, easily until um, mid July. I did Alta Via One with my dad last year and uh, we started um, on the 18th of June. I remember we hiked for 10 days and on the last day we still were wading in knee deep snow. Um, oh, wow. Uh, through through the northern slopes I mean southern slopes were completely fine but uh, northern slopes were still covered in snow um, and I think a lot of people a lot of people who write to me they say oh I'm going in April, I'm going in May what hikes can I do and I say the ski season doesn't end until the start of May so, <laughs> so yeah just Wait it out, um, plan your trip, if you can, for September, October. If you can only go in July and August, then uh, make sure that you always hike early in the morning, because the weather is quite unstable during those months, and you always have the afternoon storms. It's, um, You know, people always say that the weather in the mountains is unpredictable, and I think actually it's the most predictable weather that you can get when it comes down to the Dolomites. It's just always the same scenario. In the summer, you get so June, July, mid until mid August. You ha- you get sunny mornings. By at ten o'clock, ten a.m., the clouds are starting to build. By twelve, the peaks are covered already. By two, you ha- you get an afternoon storm or like really cloudy, moody skies. So, uh, like clockwork and- exactly. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then September comes. And you get these really beautiful long, uh, still long days, but quite often you have uh, blue bluebird skies and so on. I mean, bear in mind this is not; it doesn't have to be like that. Last September, we I actually did have one full week of just rain and even snow no, wow. at the peak. So it can change, but yeah. generally speaking. Uh, in September, you get bluebird days. On October, you get this crispy air, and um, obviously, large trees are starting to turn. Um, it's a beautiful spectacle. So,
0: awesome yeah, colors. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. I, th- I think the autumn in the Dolomites is one of the most beautiful autumns I've seen uh, so far in my it life. Looks
0: it from Instagram.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it seems, it seems to be that when autumn comes it's a huge flare up in Dolomite photos <laughs> you see just because <laughs> it is stunning yeah perfect so should we move on to some via for sure yeah um, uh, so uh, initially I said uh, I said maybe we should do like one beginner one intermediate one advanced but really uh, wh- whatever ones you want to talk about you've got such a diverse range That I I don't think we should limit to to those types from me. You know, you've you've got a great range. Let's let's talk about ones you want to talk about.
1: Oh, to open a list of the via ferratas I did. So I already did (laughs) around forty via ferratas in the Dolomites. So not Um... many then. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Considering there's seven hundred of them over there. Oh,
0: geez. Okay.
1: (laughs) I know. I don't even know where they all are. To be honest, it's. (laughs) it's just i mean you open the map and you can they are all marked on the maps and um you just get overwhelmed um but to start with uh the beginner via ferrata that i really recommend is uh via ferrata Averau uh, which leads to the summit of the same uh, of the same name um and i did that via ferrata for sunset shoot um uh, it's a very short via ferrata. You can um, you can get to its start by either taking a chairlift. Um, again, it's very close to Cortina d'Ampezzo. I have a whole article about via ferratas in Cortina de, around Cortina d'Ampezzo, and you can see via ferrata everywhere on this list. Um,
0: when we so say f- short, how how short are we talking here, like time wise? Um,
1: time wise, you can do it. Um, it depends how you look at it because there is always an approach hike that you have to do to, to start off the cable section, uh, Mm. how I call it. Um, but this one can be done in half a day, three to four hours altogether, but the actual, uh, summit. So when you get to a little mountain pass, um, uh, where the ferrata starts from there to the summit and down it's. If you're quick, you can do it in an hour and a half. Um, Okay, right. Yeah, so um, very quick, especially if there's a lot of chairlifts and gondolas open during the summer season in the Dolomites, and you can take advantage of that and just take the chairlift. Um, So you're much quicker, then you have like a 30-minute approach to the pass, another 15 minutes to the cable section, and then you start. And the cable section on this ferrata is very short. It's only... A few dozen meters, um, like maybe 100 meters tops. Um, it is quite challenging um, if you're a beginner that section, but it's over so quickly you don't even realize that <laughs> you know you're on a vertical wall quite sometimes, and the footholds are super easy. Um, so it's kind of like uh, climbing a ladder um, made out of rocks in a way. <laughs> Um, and then you have a short spur to the summit, which is probably around another half an hour. Um, but the reason I love this Via Ferrata is the views that you get on the top. Um, I mean, it was one of the easiest summits, summits to reach. Um, but then you stand on the top and you see Antelao, you see Marmolada, you see Croda del Lago, which I was speaking about earlier, and you actually get to see the proper jagged peaks and how it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see Mount Pelmo, you see Mount Chivetta, like all the 3,000-meter peaks in the Dolomites. Um, then you you see Cortina as well from far below. Um, so um, yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, definitely. Well it's
0: worth great, the effort.
1: For sure. Um, the intermediate, for, so beginner via ferratas are beginner because you only get like I, I don't know. It's the the climbing section is really easy. Um, it Usually, lasts uh, the the cable only stretches for maximum hundred meters. Um, the intermediate ones are can be a lot more exposed. Um, they can take the whole whole a whole day to finish, and oh, that's very overwhelming to pick my favorite intermediate products. There's so many you now. <laughs> um, let me see um if okay i'll say one of my favorite ones um it's probably one of the first ones i did as well it's called via ferrata marino bianchi or bianchi personally i don't even know how to pronounce it properly
0: <laughs> well you're doing <laughs> well so far you're doing better than i i could do you seem to your italian seems to be rolling off the tongue whereas for me I, i'd be struggling a lot i think
1: i think it's the it's um uh, not many people realize, but actually Italian and Polish have a lot of words in common, and oh, we nice. also roll our R's. That's why it's easier for me to, to pronounce some of the things.
0: So an though, advantage. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I can speak some Spanish too, so uh, so that helps for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah,
1: via ferrata Marino Bianchi goes up to uh, Monte Cristallo, so also a summit in the Dolomites. Um, and then, obviously, if you stand on the top of the mountain, you get stunning views. Um, it's quite an adventurous via ferrata. It leads. Um, it is. It is a very difficult approach. Um, again, you have to use a you and you should use a chairlift. Um, uh, it's called Rio de Guerra chairlift. Um, it's um, and then you start the hike and you have to hike um, up a scree slope. And anyone who knows scree slopes, (laughs) they are not fun. I mean, you usually take one step up, two steps up, one step down because you start, you know, your your feet are just uh, rolling down the hill. Running
0: on sand, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's a lot of fun going down that scree slope after you (laughs) can You can be down in 30 minutes but uh, going up uh, it's probably two hours uh, and you get to what's called forcella downies and um, there used to be um, um, like an old gondola leading to that uh, to that saddle but it's um, not not operational anymore. But you still have the the old pylons over there, and then there is an old refuge on that saddle uh, called uh, Rifugio Lorenzi, but it's also derelict, and um, it's quite sad actually because it's um, such an amazing location. But I imagine um, those huts are very expensive to run, and this hut particular, it was out of wood. Um, so it probably got to the point where there was it wasn't it just wasn't worth um, yeah. renovating it anymore. Um, there is still a little winter room open over there if you want to stay in that hut. Um, but I imagine in a few years' time that hut will be swept away with some wind yeah. you know going through that path or <laughs> or Snow, like the nature will probably, you know, do its job. Um, But it's still there for now. There is a big cross right next to that hut, and um, as you get to to that saddle, um, you have uh, one famous via ferrata called Ivano di Bona that goes to the left, and that ferrata leads through the famous suspension bridge, Mm. um, which was used in a Hollywood movie actually, and then. On the to the right, you have the via ferrata that I was talking about, Marino Bianchi, and it goes to um, to the summit of Monte Cristallo. And I did that ferrata um, at sunrise, so we left um, right at dawn, and as we were climbing up, the um, the peaks were starting to light up. So you should go check out the photos um, on the blog, and you will see. Um, um, yeah how amazing the views all around are there are a few ladders that you can climb atop I mean I don't even want to know who put those ladders up there it's just um, it's it's amazing how the whole the whole network of the Via Ferratas is actually amazing you know you've got these ladders you've got these cables and you see that they're maintained Um, so definitely somebody you know goes every year, checks on them and so on. I mean, I've never really felt unsafe on any of the, mm. the Ferraris. And um, yeah, as you go higher and higher, you just get more and more beautiful views until you get to the summit. And um, yeah, I mean, you. I That's think right the photos, thing. yeah, it's the photos just speak for themselves. Um, yeah. And the great thing as well is that once you get down again to that uh, old refuge, if you want, you can extend it to the Via Ferrata Ivano di Bona and you can go up to that ex- uh, suspension bridge to get the shot if you want and then just get back down um, the way you came. So that's for the intermediate. And when it comes to advanced Ferrata, mm. I definitely, I do definitely have a favorite over here and that okay. would be uh, Via Ferrata. Alleghesi. Uh, and that corata also leads to a summit, uh, one of the highest summits in the Dolomites, actually Mount Civetta. And Mount Monte Civetta is like the meanest-looking mountain in the Dolomites. Uh, it's, um, it's, you, you just have this sheer 2,000-meter vertical wall going up. Um, you're not. Don't worry. You're not climbing on that wall. You're actually climbing on the other side of the uh, of the mountain, which is um, slightly easier. I mean, a lot easier. Um, and then um, that ferrata actually requires an overnight stay because it's a quite an undertaking. Um, it's almost. Um, it's easily eight to ten hours, and uh, you also have to take a gondola from the town of Alege. Um and the gondola runs only from nine till five so if you're not quick enough um, to to fit in that eight hour time frame, then you have to stay in the hut and mm-hmm. um, and I would say it's a safer safer option as well and um again, um, I think I just love it for the views and for the challenge of it. Um, you have the cable section stretches at least for a, for a few hundred meters. Ooh. So you constantly clip in, clip out. You have these stambles coming out of a vertical wall that you can use to climb. Um, again, you can see it all on my website and yeah. get get a good um, idea of of the difficulty of it and And of the awesome views that you get. And Mount Civeta is basically just pretty much right in the center of the the Dolomite. So once you are on the top of the mountain, you're just surrounded by 360 views, uninterrupted views of all the peaks, all the highest highest peaks around. And as you climb down, um, you actually also have uh, one of the highest mountain refugios um, uh, on, the mount, uh, on Mount Chiveta which is called... I actually need a help now from my website. <laughs> Refugio Torani, as far as I remember. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just a tiny little hut uh, that's run by a local guy. Only open two months of the year, July and August. And... Um, yeah, it's just amazing that you get like this guy does everything. He bakes cakes for his uh, for his <laughs> um, guests. He makes dinners. He, you know, he he has beer over there. I mean, it's, he's pretty self sufficient. And then he he loves music and he loves to play it loud as well. So as, as we were approaching <laughs> the hut, you he, he, he were hearing the really loud music coming from his speakers. Um, what kind
0: of music is coming from there? Because my own experience uh, in the Italian mountains was skiing and ratchings yeah. and and they just seemed to play only euro trance pop sort of stuff uh, that you'd hear in the u k school disco when you're when you're younger.
1: Um, no, actually, he was playing whatever he liked. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't bothered about anybody else's music choices. Okay, cool. He played everything really from heavy metal to pop music. It it was really funny and really odd in in a way as well but um, a great atmosphere too and I remember I actually got quite angry in the evening too because um, the hut was full and then everybody just sleeps in one area and and the, the hut owner, um, he befriended some of the people who were there, and they were also Italians, and they brought some alcohol with them, and they were drinking, and I remember I wanted to wake up really early, and we couldn't go to sleep until late, because they were all just partying, but I guess it's part of the experience, like, now you look back at it, and you're like, oh, I should have just joined them, but, you know, after eight hours of climbing, all you want to do is actually just get some sleep, get some rest, and... Yeah. and uh, especially that we we knew that we have a quite big day ahead of us the next day too. But all wow. in all, great hut, great experience. I remember we woke up the next morning and, to a cloud inversion, so we were just oh. above, yeah we were just above the clouds and the clouds were you know rolling, and then you you only had the highest peaks sticking out. And the hut is at two thousand nine hundred meters itself. It's just three hundred meter vertical meters below the summit, so um, yeah, stunning, wow. stunning place.
0: Cloud inversions on my bucket list to see. Like, uh, it's for me, it's up there with the Northern Lights.
1: <laughs> oh, there's so many cloud inversions in the Dolomites. Honestly, like you, you should, yeah. And um, if you want to see cloud inversions, I think actually July and August is um, are the months. Um, that are the
0: best for them. I'm just going to have to steal my daughter away and just go live in the Dolomites of the
1: <laughs> In the hut. <laughs> sure, you, can, I'm like, yeah. We're going to live <laughs> she here. will like
0: it. Yeah, yeah. Well, she she nailed uh, a hill local to us the, uh, the other day, which is at a whopping altitude of two hundred and forty meters. So, uh, so she could do that. She could do the Dolomites. <laughs> She's four. Uh, five, okay. five and two. Give
1: her a few more years.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But I have well, seen. If anything, I have... you'd
0: want to just remember it, surely. Like,
1: exactly. You know, yeah, and I have seen kids. people with their children on the ferratas. It's wow. majority of times they have them tied with rope to to their own uh, harness for yeah. safety, obviously. But I have seen a lot of kids on ferratas as well.
0: Kids are nuts in the Alps. I don't know what it is. Like, when I was going skiing, there's been like three year olds. Just whizzing past me. <laughs> just Germans straight have no fear. That's
1: the thing. I mean, they never think about. Oh, if I'm going to break something, I'm I i will not be yes. able to work. You know. Exactly.
0: They they, they, they don't know what the consequences do they? So they're just like, yeah. okay, you're asking me to go down there. I'm going to go down, go down really fast. Yeah. So, <laughs> legend. I wish
1: we we retained that as adults.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, that 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 sounds breathtaking and perfect. Everything you've spoken about. Um, I wanted to get. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we get to some wrap-up questions?
1: Just go. Just go and Just see go. it all. <laughs> yeah.
0: For sure. So, um, first wrap-up question was: Do and and it can it stops here if it's the answer is no. But do you have vertigo? Do you get scared of heights at all? No. No.
1: Uh, I did get once. I had a really bad mountain accident once in um, in the Canadian Rockies which required uh, mountain search and rescue and um, I took a six-month break pretty much from um, any type of hiking or anything um, and I remember uh, the first hike I did after that accident and I was standing on the summit I did get a mild panic attack um, Ooh, yeah. but um, as um, like like with anything, time heals anything really. So um, with the time, I just got better, and um, at the moment, I'm fine. I mean, there are there were still sections that I remember. I did my first via ferrata um, two years ago, and uh, it was actually I, I think a bit too hard for for my experience at the time,
0: mm.
1: and I remember I was scared like. My legs were shaking, but I pulled through and I managed to get to the, to the summit. Um, but I repeated that ferrata again the next year with my friend. I took her with me just because I wanted to show her. And, and that was very first experience for her too. And it was very interesting to watch because she reacted exactly the same way as I did the, the year before. But a year later, for me, that ferrata just seemed so easy.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: um it was very interesting so like you definitely progressed so i definitely recommend um you know if you if you are a little bit scared of the heights just go easy just start with a uh, with a beginner ferrata but if you're a climber or if you ever did any if you ever did any kind of climbing then i would say you can jump straight on advanced via ferratas, no problem
0: for sure and that, can i just say whether that, that's that's pretty nails <laughs> like you, you've had search and rescue out in canada and all you mm-hmm. had was a mild panic attack on the next <laughs> thing <time> you did.
1: <laughs> but it's, it was six months later, six months
0: after the accident. Yeah, I know. know? Uh, but the, like, <laughs> it's just like a, uh, yeah, I, I, was just, I was just thinking, wow, that's pretty impressive how you've had that that situation, which we haven't spoken about, so th- I don't know what happened. Um, mm-hmm. So you've had that situation with search and rescue. And then you go out again six months later and all you get is a, like, a mild panic attack. Uh, <laughs> I know other people who would keep going and they'd get pretty... They, they need a lot of emotional support. I, I know of a couple of people who, if they were to do it, they would need a, they would still do it, but they would need a lot more support than, than just a mild panic attack on the first hike. <laughs> and that's it. So I think it's just my, my
1: pure love of the mountains. Yeah. I mean, I could never, I, it would be a huge punishment for me if I could never get out again, because, because I was too scared. So, for sure. um, yeah, I mean, luckily I, I came out of that accident without a scratch, which was a miracle, really.
0: Perfect, yeah. Um,
1: but um, yeah, a lesson learned for sure. Yeah. Always come sure. prepared.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, what surprised you the most about the Dolomites? So you've seen it on on those those two picturesque pictures, like you said, but then you also did know about the Via Ferrata. So it'd be interesting to see. When you went for the first time, what surprised you the most about the area?
1: Mm, it's a difficult one. Um, I would say how accessible really everything is, and I mean they have an amazing hut network over there. For any hike that you do, you always you're always gonna come across a hut where you can have lunch, you can have beer. They have everything there. They have, you know, the helicopter in everything. Um, so, yeah, one thing is the accessibility. Um, and I think it's a great place uh, to be for beginners who never done any hikes and are scared they're going to get lost because the, all the, um, the roads are very well marked. Mm. So it's very easy to follow the routes, um, unlike Canadian Rockies, let's say, Um, Mm. but, um, so yeah, accessibility, that that would be
0: it. Perfect. And then last question, which is, if you could pick one moment to relive, what moment would that be?
1: In the Dolomites.
0: Mm. Yeah. I want to
1: relive so many moments. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm, just, I think that would be the inversion that I spoke about before. I yeah. personally love inversions as well. So, just yeah. waking up in the mountain hut at um, almost three thousand meter altitude, high above the clouds, it's it's unreal, and knowing that you pushed yourself to get there you know that yeah that would be it
0: perfect <laughs> well, well listen it's been incredible thank you so much for coming on and talking about the dolomites it's uh yeah it's been a pleasure thank you
1: thank you for having me so awesome and you. like
0: and like i say as well we'll, we'll put all the show notes um all, all the links for everything we discussed today will be in the show notes and um and yeah i recommend you all check it out because The the blog and the website is just, it's clean, it reads well, it's got great information on there. So yeah, give it a a look.
1: Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) I really, really hope you enjoyed that episode, especially as much as I did. It was so great to get that information from someone who's spent so much time there and done so much. It's raised it even higher on my bucket list of places to go. So as soon as all this lockdown stuff is over, I will certainly be looking into doing that alongside... The many other things I want to do. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, I hope you have a brilliant day. Subscribe, follow, share it with a friend if you'd like to and I'll see you in the next one.